disappointed that it's bronze, but uh, you know, think of how many guys would kill just to be in that A final. Call it wacka wacka, side by each, uh, hang and banging. Um, the side by each is really my favorite because you have no idea what it means at the same time, you know exactly what it means. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo at another Zoom interview podcast. So CJ is working behind the scenes to make this thing work on a visual, but also on an audio. And I have Jamie Hamp out of, uh, out of excuse me, out of the Princeton area. And this guy has been in rowing for a very long time, very competitive. In fact, before our meeting today, uh, he got a workout in, which was uh, lucky, lucky him. I couldn't say the same. Um, but right now he is, uh, the perfect coach to talk about because he does this for a living on how he's motivating his athletes through this time and also how, um, he's handling this coronavirus. So Jamie, welcome to the, uh, the podcast here slash zoom interview. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks, CJ. So, uh, Jamie, um, you've been rolling a long time. You've had some pretty You've been on some pretty fast teams. Walk me through uh, the beginning. You started rowing and how you got to today where you are uh, running the program. Sure. So um, first time I ever sat in an erg, believe it or not, was uh, uh, on a cruise ship in uh, 2006. My family went on a cruise and I hopped on for five minutes and thought I was uh, pretty good because I could go under a two-minute split for five minutes. Um, <laughs> so and then I never really thought yeah, about gotta, it again. I got to ask. I got to so what, where were you going on your cruise um, and how old were you in this, at this time? I was, I was in eighth grade. Eighth um, grade. It was, it was, we got the, the two week, one week in February, President's Week and one week uh, around Easter week off from my grammar school. Um, and uh, my parents decided to take a family vacation, which is to date like the last real family vacation we've taken. Um, <laughs> so but, where did you go? What, what, what cruise ship? Uh, Something carnival. It was Carnival Cruise Lines. I could not tell you the name of the ship right now. Hey, hats um, off. Cruise, so. Hats off to Carnival for having an erg. I, I gotta maybe I'll reach out to them and see. Uh, <laughs> Thirteen <laughs> years ago, too. You know, I mean, that's awesome. That's it's pretty impressive. So, oh six eighth grade. Yeah. Where were you at grammar school? Where did you go? Uh, so I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and I went to uh, Saint Amelia School for K through eight, and then. Um, uh, went to Canisius High School, and that's where I really started rowing. I uh, played football and basketball my freshman year, okay. and um, the the rowing coach was also an English teacher, and he, he told me I should try out rowing in the spring, and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll row to stay in shape for football and basketball, yeah. uh, and uh, the rest is sort of history after that. Um, what, uh, who was your coach? Uh, who was your coach back then? So, that that spring, um, my freshman coach was Nick Zinter uh, and Justin Farrington. Um, both Kinesh, well, one was Nick was a Canisius grad, and Justin was a St. Joe's collegiate grad. So that's sort of nice. our Canisius's big uh, Buffalo arrival. Um, and uh, Paul Cumbo was the was the English teacher who had been the freshman coach the previous year, took one year off, and then proceeded to be the the freshman coach the next year. So we were sort of that one off year, but. Um, he was still working with the program. He had just taken a step back for that year, and he was the one who sort of got me hooked. So you, so so wow. So a cruise ship erg for five minutes, and three times. You think, yeah, there you go, even better. And you're like, yeah, I think I could do this. And then, but yeah. you were really an athlete outside of that. I mean, you were really 
a foot. Uh, you said football and basketball. Is that right? Yeah. So you, that's or, what I did in high school. I was doing travel soccer. Uh, you know, I did track and volleyball in grade school. So I mean, I did a bunch of sports in grade school. Obviously, you can't really do five or six sports in in high no, school. Um, no, no, not, not. I mean, not today, at least. Uh, no. So then you went to Princeton, right? Yes. So walk me through that. How was that? I mean, you were, um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of new to the sport, freshman and sophomore year. You probably had some success senior year, and now Princeton is a big deal. So walk me through that that time in your life. So Princeton was a big change for me because uh, in high school, we, we finished rowing the first weekend of November and then generally got on the water sometime in late April. Um, so it was really six months on the earth. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a big change going to school. My freshman year at Princeton, we were, um, you know, we were, we were rowing February 1st. Um, and that's only because we couldn't row in January because of the Ivy League rules. Uh, I mean, the weather, you know, that was a very mild winter. Um, my senior year, we were frozen out till the middle of March. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a big change for me. And um, you know, I didn't really know a lot about collegiate rowing. I didn't know a lot about rowing even, uh, even coming out of high school. I mean, we were, you know, a big high school program, but not a major club. Um, my coaches were a little more old school, uh, sure. which I think benefited me long run. Um, uh, but, you know, being a freshman at Princeton, it was a really big change uh, just in terms of getting there and seeing, hey, wow, there are a lot of people here, this rowing community. Yeah, it's not huge, but it's a lot bigger than you would think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first, second day of the season uh, for Princeton is traditionally a 30-minute test um, back then, right at 26. Uh, so I come in and I'm just like, you know, the longest thing I've ever done is one or two 6Ks. Uh, and we're just going to, we're going to go off at, uh, at 26 for 30 minutes. Um, so that, that first piece I did reasonably well, um, you know, top 10, not top five, but it was sort of like, okay, like I can do this. And so that was sort of a confidence boost. And, um, you know, I had to two amazing coaches my freshman year, uh, Spencer Washburn and Greg Hughes. Uh, and oh, so Greg Hughes, is a, he's a legend in his own right. Um, what can you, what can you tell me about, like, let's say, let's go back to when you were 17. What would you like to have known then about that transition from high school to college? Like, what do you tell your seniors today to prepare for uh, at the college level? I think the biggest thing um, was just, just sort of going with an open mind. I mean, and especially, you know, I try to prepare my guys for Mercer for college rowing a little bit um, in the sense that, you know, I, you know, I only graduated five years ago, was a freshman nine years ago. So I sort of have some idea of what it's like a little bit yeah. still. Um, and so trying to prepare them for that, trying to prepare them. But you know, the biggest thing is, is show up and, you know, we do things one way here at Mercer and your college program is going to do things a different way. Uh, and your job as a freshman is sort of to show up and uh, keep your head down and work hard and listen, because, you know, everything's not going to be the same in the way we do it at Mercer. The way I do it as a coach is not the only sure. way. It's not the best way. It's just the way we do it. And every other place is going to have their own way. So, you know, if you are uh, lucky enough to, to go row in college and, and go to one of those top programs, especially like your job is, to go there, listen to the coaches and try to be a contributor. Um, I appreciate that. But there's, there's one thing that you said there that's, that's really good. It's that certain high school coaches can identify when to push their athletes. And what I'm seeing more and more now at the high school level is that they train equally as hard as they do at the collegiate level. Um, are, is that kind of what you're doing at Mercer? I mean, are you, are you training them to not maybe not the max level that you did when you're a senior in college but could you say that your freshman year 
at Princeton is comparable to what you're doing for your juniors and seniors at the high school level. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, I, I think that we, my, my four years at college were a, a big, were a big shift. I think, I mean, it was Greg's third, fourth, fifth, sixth years and, you know, going from the lightweights at Princeton to the heavyweights. I think he, uh, I mean, one of the, the biggest things I learned from Greg um, and one of the things that makes him such an amazing coach, I think is he's, he's really good at learning how to change and adapt. And, you know, I think he sort of, got there for a year or two or three and was doing some similar stuff to what had led him to success with the lightweights. Um, and then he realized that, you know, that was great, but it wasn't really going to push the team as much as he really needed it to in the heavyweight league. And so there was a lot of change. You know, I, I have workout journals for my college career and I go back and I look at my freshman year workouts. I'm like, okay. And then I look at my senior workouts. I'm like, yeah, this is a lot different. And I think that's really what pushed the team and made us better. Um, and right now I, I don't, I don't think there's a high school program. I don't think my program, I don't think any program is really ready to do what the top collegiate programs are doing now or five years ago. But what we're doing is certainly similar to what I was doing my freshman year of college. How, how valuable, because I got to tell you, it's great to hear that as an athlete, you had a workout journal. How valuable, and, and I guess this is, this is encouraging words for the, for the kids going into college. How valuable was that for you to have in those four years? Oh, immensely. I mean, during, during my collegiate career, even just to begin with, you know, Hey, I did this workout this time last year. Now I have some idea of what to what to go for because I'm two. Spl- I've been two splits faster on the workouts leading up to it, and I know exactly what I did. Um, I used to keep. Did you track your nutrition as well, or was that just your workouts? Uh, I, I do nowadays. Um, I did not in college. Um, that didn't really start until I was um, until I was at the training center after college. Um, and I have to credit Liz Fusco and the uh, the U.S. Ring staff um, for for helping a lot with teaching me the nutrition stuff. I mean, I, I certainly paid attention to it uh, to an extent, but it was not uh, as fine tuned as it is now. And even nowadays, I mean, I, you know, uh, it's simple stuff or it, seemed, it feels simple to me because I'm not a full-time athlete. So, you know, I finished my workout. What do I do? I eat some Greek yogurt with honey and peanut butter. Like that's, that's what I'm going to eat. But, but, you know, I don't know that I would have done that eight years ago because I just didn't sort of know the idea of, yeah, get protein. Yeah, fine. Okay. But, um, and that's something I'm trying to give to the juniors now because I really think that that can make a huge difference. And, you know, with the amount of volume they're doing, with the amount of volume you have to do to compete with the top junior clubs, um, you know, we can only do so much in our practice every day, but what they do outside of practice for refueling, for recovery, like, you know, uh, listen to a great talk by Ethan Curran at a conference a few years ago called, uh, training doesn't make you faster recovery does. And I've really sort of taken that to heart with my guys. And, you know, I'm really big on a lot. We have a di- lot of different protocols on the team for, you know, making sure they get food right after practice, that they bring food to practice, that we spend time doing core and stretching and stuff like that. Um, and there's a, there's a gap. So I've, I've been in the sport since 1999 and there is a big gap between coaches from the eighties and then coaches today, right? Coaches in the eighties and nineties was pull your ass off. And I don't care what happens when you go home. Like in high school, my best coach ever was Chris Ganicki. We didn't really talk about nutrition at all until the last four months <laughs> here. So now what I'm, what I'm observing is that there is a huge emphasis on the younger coaches on everything outside of the practice. You're right. You can't get anything done in an hour and a half or two hours in the water. Now, do a lot of your athletes erg and train outside of your practice schedule? Have they gotten that ingrained in their systems? Sorry, you cut out for a second there. Oh, I'm sorry. So 
have the athletes that you have, do they um, erg and train on their own outside of your practice? Have they got that in their system? Uh, so, you know, the top guys, absolutely. Uh, the top guys sort of want to do uh, that extra work. Um, in the winter, I sort of limit that. Um, you know, we have a two hour and 15 pre minute practice in the winter. Um, and, you know, our long days, we're doing 80 to 90 minutes of steady state. Um, you know, even on the, the higher intensity days, um, it might not be, you know, it's obviously not 80 90 minutes of AT or anything, but but between the warm up and the cool down and paddling on the rest, they're still getting 20, 22, 24K. Um, and I tend to think that what we do in the winter is enough. Um, you know, some guys will do a little bit extra, like an easy spin on Saturday afternoons to flush or something Sunday or maybe once or twice a week in the morning. But with, with school and everything, I'd almost rather they focus on really showing up and performing uh, on the days that you need to during the winter. And then the easy days make them easy. Um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in college was make the easy days easy and the hard days harder. Um, but then fall and spring, they're doing, you know, two and a half, three hours of extra work a week total, uh, in, including sometimes, you know, some 2k prep sort of stuff on their own too. So I, something dawned on me, you said, and it's been stuck in my head, you graduated four or five, you said five years ago, you graduated yeah, five years ago. So you're super young, well, like 26, 27. 27. Yeah. So the guys, that, I love playing the game where I have the kids guess how old I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when yeah they tell honestly, me 36, it's rough, but so but with that, with the age though, comes sometimes a lack of maturity and I'm not saying you're immature, but it comes also like kids might not respect you because of your age. Um, it's how, how do you address them when they come to your program? Um, do they, do you command their attention? Do they just, because that you did some, you did some nutrition, you did some work with the training, um, at us rowing, you did heavy Princeton, like, Walk me through that process because you're super young compared to these kids, right? I mean, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to know, obviously, because, you know, I'd love to, you know, have you pull a rower over here and ask them why they do it because I, you know, it's hard to say uh, myself sometimes, you know, it'd be great if they didn't think I was ever going to hear their answer and get an honest one out of them. But um, I think part of it is definitely. Uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, respect for sort of where you've been. Um, I mean, the majority of your kids on these teams, uh, especially the top guys on any you know, top junior program, they want to go row in college. Um, they want to go to a successful program. And I think, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a successful program. I, you know, you know, I can, I, in the moment when I was racing in college, I was, Hey, you know, really wish I had won sprints or really wish I had won IRAs. Yeah. I mean, I do, I still do, but um, even looking back and being like, yeah, well, I, I was able to, you know, I was fortunate to medal at IRAs and, you know, something that somebody told me a couple months after it happened was, Hey, you're like, yeah, you're disappointed that it's bronze, but uh, you know, think of how many guys would kill just to be in that a final would kill just to get. That oh, I, yeah. Me, one of them, I would kill. Yeah, and there you go. And like, so I, I, you know, I really, it's taken, you know, it took me a little bit because um, I was a little more hot-headed and impetuous uh, in college. But, uh, you know, I, I can look back now and say, well, I'm really fortunate for that. And so uh, I think that that little bit of that helps um, certainly with the, with the high school kids. Um, I'm loud. 
And I think being loud <laughs> for high school boys is very important. There's nobody in that room who can shout louder than me. That's um, really good advice for like coaches that want to command a room. I think you're right. If you are the loudest voice in the room with a high school boy, you win. <laughs> like that, that's oh, your, their, your victory there. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you, you bring this thing like respect for where you've been. Do they ask you like, do they ask you ever like about your time at Princeton or your time with the training center? Do they like try to get information out of you from that? Absolutely. And again, like, you know, as with any high school team, there, there are some kids who couldn't care less and that's totally fine. I mean, I'm not their coach to, to you know, sit there and give my biography, but there are absolutely kids who, who want to uh, just hear the stories and there are kids who want to do those things themselves. Um, I was very happy. Uh, I was super proud, to be honest. Um, earlier this year, for the first time ever, a kid I coached beat one of my high school erg scores. Whoa. I, like the day that happens, great, awesome, finally. Uh, and it was a long time coming in, in the sense that, um, you know, when I took over the team a year and a half, almost two years ago now, um, very young group, a uh, lot of potential, but not really quite there yet. Um, and, and so uh, they were just sort of, you know, chipping away. And, and this year, like we've got two guys who are, um, you know, a couple seconds faster than my junior year 2K. And that, that was May for me. So what was that? What was that? Two early March. What was that? 618. How much was, uh, it? was 618. it? 618. That was the Ooh. summer of my junior year for me. Yeah. That is, that is pretty quick. Um, how big is your program? How many guys are on the program? Uh, so this spring, uh, we would have had 48, uh, including coxswains. What's your, uh, so including Cox. So your, your philosophy on team atmosphere environment. Um, I, I was out on the launch with Gladstone and if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I talk a lot about the energy that he brings and like what that atmosphere is like. Describe your atmosphere when kids are rowing uh, with you. Like what, what's it like to be rowing for Jamie Hamp? Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I would say that the number one thing is that my coaching styles have very heavily been dictated by uh, the coaches I've had and none more so than my college coaches. Um, like I said, you know, I had, you know, Greg for all four years at Princeton, Spencer for my first three, and then Matt Smith um, my senior year after Spencer left for Deerfield. Um, and then in 2016, um, the spring of 2016, after I was cut from the training center, um, in the lead up to Rio, I actually went out uh, and worked at Deerfield with Spencer. And so that was another, like, you know, between spending the time having him as my coach and then coaching with him uh, and then being coached by Greg. I mean, Greg and Spencer have really been my biggest influences in terms of coaching and my style. And I think that, again, with high school boys, um, there's a little bit of, you uh, you know, it's a little bit of charisma and, and you know, noise and uh, attitude, but not in a bad way, just like a positive sort of push you along attitude in the launch. Um, you know, like, you know, the kids, like, it, it, it's, it's frustrating as a coach almost because if I'm sitting in the launch watching them do a three-mile piece training in the fall, um, they'll, you know, I'll start shouting and banging on the launch and they'll go three splits faster. I'm like, well, why did I need to bang on the launch to make you go three splits faster to an sure. extent? But, but it's sort of, you know, it's a mix of, hey, like we're trying to row better, but also trying to sort of cajole them along and, and get them to, to, to really push their hardest. Um, so, so I, I had, I had, uh, I had, I had, was it, I forget, I was with 
Greg Meyer, an old coach of mine, he would told me that Greg Hughes had said some funny things in the launch. You know, he would be the things that he would yell and scream. Can you just maybe give me the audience here, maybe a couple of fun Greg Hughesms, maybe something um, he had said to you in the launch? Well, so there, there's a couple, I mean, things he said in the launch, I feel like those get lost even sometimes too, just because you're in the middle of a piece, and you don't remember and you laugh about it after. Um, you know, a, lo a lot of his terminology, especially like pieces is sort of memorable. And even today I'll say it like, you know, you know, every Saturday um, in college in the fall is pretty much three by three miles, warm up to the dam and then piece back and forth. Um, so, you know, he call it whack a whack side by each, uh, hanging, banging. Um, banging. We, we once had a row where um, it was pretty much the varsity eight, but one of the guys had uh, a test to make up or some something uh, in the spring. And we, we pulled, we just pulled a random guy and threw him in the boat for the row. And he said, it's your make a wish row. Which is pretty funny <laughs> one. Um, which is which is the one that we still use today at Mercer now. Um, so I mean, I've absolutely taken some of that terminology, but just sort of the uh, like you know the side by each is really my favorite because you have no idea what it means at the same time you know exactly what it means. Um, <laughs> side by, I think the wacka wacka is my favorite, and it's just I think I might title this podcast interview as the wacka wacka with Jamie Hamp just because it's so fitting. My I there's again Greg Hughes is part of that group of coaches that ran Eastern sprints and IRA for years. It's the, it's, it's the Greg Myers, it's the Greg Hughes and uh, the Gladstones, like the guys that just old school rowing, they've been around forever. And I love that. I love the whack whack and hanging and banging. I mean, I say that even today, like I still hang and bang, but the make a wish row that I'm, I'm going to try to use that in everyday life. Now I'm going to try to, to, to adopt that. I won't say it's mine, but I'm going to use that one. That's really great. So that, that, that I, I think that's the case for most coaches. I think they take the pivotal moments in their lives and they remember it so well and they adopt their training styles to those guys. But what's nice about you is that you're sort of a new school adopting nutrition and, and, and stretching and training outside of that. That's really encouraging to hear. Um, let me talk about your athletes a little bit. So you've got these guys that are entered in the ERG competition and you're sitting in your house or wherever you are and you can't train them. What are you doing as a coach to keep the kids motivated to get through the next three or four months? Uh, great question. And I, I'm gonna preface this with the fact that I don't know that what I'm doing is working. I don't know if it's just the kids have great internal motivation. Um, I don't know that I'm doing the best thing. And I, I, you know, I am every day talking to people, texting people, trying to, you know, just looking on social media, hey, what are other people doing? Is this a good idea? Can we try this? How, how do we apply this? Um, Matt Carlson, the girls coach at Mercer, you know, we text and we're, we're both just looking for um, ideas like that. And so I don't think by any means that I have some sort of monopoly on what's working best or something. I do think I'm extremely fortunate that um, I have an extremely highly motivated group of guys. Uh, and I, I think that they they know that there's really nothing that a lot of us can do about this situation, but I am doing my best to sort of get them a training plan to lead them to be successful um, in the coming months and everything. Um, so I, I think that helps certainly, but you know, we, I do give them a training plan every week. Um, and I sort of, I've sort of broken them into two groups at this point, obviously. I, I like I said, I've got roughly five eighths of rowers, a little more on the spring um, and uh, 16 or 17 of those are juniors. Um, 
And so I've obviously got a huge junior class. That's really the backbone of the team. And um, they need 2K scores for college. Um, and I, yeah. and I, I recognize that. And so, you know, we did a 2K in early March. Um, I think it was March 1st, actually, um, that they did at the, the Petty Mercer Indoor Row for the Cure. Um, and the scores were fine, but I had rate capped them because I planned on doing another one two weeks later. Hmm. Uh, the day we were going to do that 2K was the first day we canceled practice because oh. of everything. Uh, it was awesome. Um, but uh, so, so I've sort of been training. I, I basically had two training plans, and they're similar, but twice a week that the group that wants to 2K and their 2K, they're going to do a 2K this week, um, has been doing a little bit more prep workouts, and the other group's been doing a little more like, hey, at this point, what are we training for? But fall almost um wow. and some and you know some of the guys are seniors and they just said hey i'm into college i don't need 2k again right now that's totally fine they're taking yeah. a little bit more of a long view some of the sophomores are hey i know i need to work on my base aerobic fitness kind of stick with that and then uh, a solid chunk of the sophomores and a huge you know the vast majority of the juniors are all i need this 2k for for school and so they're they're going into it so i think there's a little bit of intrinsic internal motivation uh, and then now between the training plan, we do we do Zoom sessions two to three times a week with the whole team, mostly just chatting, core, body weight, stretching sort of stuff. Um, trying to set up some you know team game nights or just meetings so the kids, the guys can see each other. Um, you know, I, I do think that a little, little bit of the idea of you know we're very fortunate um, being where we are located in Jersey because if there's any chance that we get on the water this spring, there's plenty of competitive clubs teams around us that we might be able to get together for a scrimmage where nobody's really traveling. You're not interacting with the other team except 30 feet away on the water. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of motivation for that too, but. I do want to touch on, this is really interesting because no one has said this, uh, Jamie, you have two separate chain training programs running simultaneously. I think that's really unique because you're right. You have the needs. You're no longer a team sport right now, right? It's more about individuals. You are focused on the individuals that need certain things to help get into college. Did somebody give you that advice or is that just, you just came up with that and said, you know what, I'm uh, just gonna do that. No, uh, I guess I have to take credit for coming up with that one on my own. Um, really, I mean, I, I guess part of it is, I absolutely, um, I absolutely understand how challenging it is to do hard pieces by yourself in your basement. Because yeah. um, I did that a lot in high school. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, I think I had a good record with it and, my good record was a mixed record. You know, there were some days where I'd sit down. Now, once in my life did I ever sit down and PR a 2K in my basement. Once in my life did I ever sit down and do a 2K and just be like, wow, that was trash. Um, I have had one kid who decided to just 2K a week and a half ago and TPR'd. Uh, awesome. But I understand that, like, you know, putting yourself to the sword sort of um, three days a week or four days a week or two days a week or whatever by yourself in your basement without knowing that there's something holding you accountable is really tough. Um, and so for the guys who that motivate, like I'm never going to motivate a guy who doesn't want to 2K and doesn't see the need. And maybe I even have a senior who's not rowing in college. Like, you know, if he's not motivated to 2K, like, you know, we've all done it. A 2K is a uniquely, um, unique part of health um, in some senses. And, you know, sure. I'd always rather 6K. So if they don't want to, um, I, I don't see a need to push them do it sort of like like if they still want to train uh and work hard that's fine with me because you know if, if we had a 2k race to train for then fine i would want them to be training for a 2k and i'd be upset if they weren't willing to do that but in the absence of 
me saying, yes, this is what we're training for. It's, it's challenging for me personally to say, yeah, go, go put yourself to the sword and do this hard workout and prep for a 2K that, you know, it just isn't going to happen on the water this spring. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, some, there's, there's a lot of really for a coach right now in this time to draw from what you just said. Um, and, and I really hope that the people that listen to this grab on to what you said. And I really, I go back to it, I've already said it, but I really appreciate the fact that you've built out training programs specific to the needs, but also you're not putting pressure on these kids. You know that because you've lived it recently, right? You're not some, I don't know, 55-year-old coach that hasn't rode for 30 years. Like, you know how hard it is to sit on an erg in a basement and to be motivated. As long as you're doing the work, I think you appreciate it. Now, let, let's, let's dive into the selfish thing. The selfish part is uh, how- I could, awesome. Can I have one quick? Yeah, please. Oh, sorry, so um, one, one other thing that I will add to is that, um, you know, I do, and just to sort of go back to what you said about the guys respecting you, I do think the fact that I, uh, like, you know, Saturday morning practices, we start at 7.15, um, and I get there at 5.45 and do eight minutes on the bike and they see me up while they're warming down. I think that helps with that too, sorry. You're, no, I'm glad you said that, but I'll tell you, you're a freak of nature and there's not a lot of people that do that or want to do that. So <laughs> I do think coaches that work out get, um, That's, uh, uh, I think that helps with that. Yeah. Okay. So my, my second favorite coach of all time is John Van Carey. And I think, you know, who the name, you know, who that guy is, um, he's a South Jersey boy. Uh, my dad has known him since the old days and, uh, he's, He's the largest crew coach, you know, that you can spot a mile away. Yet he is the only guy that I can say in all of rowing that can be over 300 pounds and still command the respect of his athletes. <laughs> even with, you know, the whole train, you know, the whole working out. I agree with you. There are, there, are, there are times, even when I was rowing, that I had a coach that I was like, oh, I can't trust you that, or believe that you tell me to do all this hard work and because and, it looks like you haven't rowed in 25 years. Um, but now I could just, I just, I'm picturing John Van Carey in my head right now. And he's the well, only big guy. When I was on the U23 team in, uh, 20, it was 20, 2013. Um, my first year was Paul Cook was the head coach. Uh, and, and you know, we had a couple of Brown guys at camp and they loved to talk about Paul hopping in the boat and seat racing guys. And you know, he's an, he's an animal. He's an animal. Yeah. I, I, so I love Paul. Um, you know, one of my favorite summers ever. So, but the, uh, I'm just thinking Greg Meyer. So my first time ever with Greg Meyer this is a really cool story. He, um, he, he was brand new to the team at GW and we were all new. Like we were all kind of just figuring him out. And he says, he sits, sits us on an erg and it's an hour of power, December 6th and it's snowing outside and we're at the boathouse and there's 14 of us lined up and I'm on the very end. Right. So he yells at us as he's walking back and forth in jeans and a t-shirt and the place is getting all steamy and hot. And he starts yelling, you, one of you has to break 146 for an hour or you're all worthless. And I couldn't do that at that time. I was a sophomore in college. I was just at like 148 and a half. He picks up stairs and hurls them, screams, and then sits in the erg in a t-shirt and jeans next to me and goes 144.5. And he made every one of us stay and watch him finish that piece. He gets up and he goes, that's what an old man can do. Figure your shit out. And he left. And I was like, you're a, you're Superman. Like, I was like, you're Superman. I don't know how to even like, 
do that and you're 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 40 and you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt and he whooped us all so it's those it's those animals that you learn to respect right and love um i think that's great and paul cooks one of them and greg's uses one of them but uh listen i want to be i want to do the selfish thing here so um we have this earth competition that you have entered um i think it's awesome so far we've had a lot of of, of positive results and, and reviews how uh how have your boys taken to it so far because i think you guys are are one of the top seeds uh in your division so how have they taken to it uh so we we had two teams make the the top bracket um one of them did not make it past this uh this most recent round which was uh obviously you know i it was it, it sucks for the guys um but i i did i i took to this with the idea that hey it's optional uh, yep. and if you guys want to do it make a team make a team throw it together let me know and i will absolutely um do it i have i have absolutely adjusted um the training plan a little bit for them in the sense that um i you know like for the for the this most recent 4800 um instead of doing the regular saturday workout they were able to do the 4800 on saturday do the regular saturday workout on sunday and then they can take today off because today was just supposed to be steady um so i, I I've, I've adapted a little bit i haven't necessarily rested them up and you know honestly i love the format i think it's really cool the way you're shifting the pieces every week because uh one thing that you know i've talked with our coaches is you know like doing 2ks like it's just you know it's a it's a it's a daunting thing to look at the screen and do because it's this number where it's like i know what i should go i know what i'm capable of but finding the, the mental fortitude to sort of do that every three days is absolutely very daunting um and and then that almost encourages a little bit of gaming but with these different distances you just don't know it's awesome you've uh, you know my guys say you know one of the things um here, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you another a greg hughes hughesism i guess um shoot from the hip um and one of my kids is his neighbor uh like you know kitty corner from him and uh he said he texted me a couple weeks ago so what should i go for this workout i said shoot from the hip and he says, oh, I know where that's from. I said, yeah, I know you do. Um, but uh, you, you got to be able to sit down and do a workout and say, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I'm going to go hard. And then you finish the piece and you go, uh, you know, get a drink and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, yeah, I was tough. And that that's sort of what this sport is about. Um, and so. You know, I've never had a kid test 6,400 meters. I've never had a kid test 4,800 meters uh, on the air. You know, we've done 6Ks, we've done 30 minutes, so it's not like it's the longest, but, you know, we do 1,500s and 2,500s on Saturday mornings, but never a single all-out open rate one. So they're distances that these guys are familiar with, but um, it's not like they've ever sat down and done a single piece. So I love the format, and um, I think it's awesome that it's not just 2Ks every week. And, yeah, I mean, I've told the guys, hey, I don't need you to sit down and rest and, and taper for this and do your race shadow race the day before and everything. Go out there, have a do a hard piece, have a good time and see. And if you advance, great. Um, so I think, you know, we were a fifth seed, a five seed maybe um, in the first round um, with the, the team that's still there. And then uh, I think they were in the top eight for average split on this 4,800. Um, great, great. You know, I mean, it's it's not, it's, 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 some of the best ergs on the team. It's not the best four, unfortunately, because I couldn't make the team. Um, and if I had, I would have loved to do that. But again, I'm not going to take a kid. Uh, one of the top ergs on the team is a senior who, who just said, hey, like, I know I, he's, he's a more anaerobic guy. He's better at the shorter stuff. And he said, hey, I'm running college. 
I know right now is the time to work on my base fitness. And he's not doing the 2K right now because he doesn't need to. He wants to work on that base fitness. That's what he needs. And so that's what he's doing. And he didn't want to do it. That's fine. I think that's totally fine. I think that, you know, the team we have now is um, a junior, a sophomore, and two seniors. And they wanted to do it. And they're having a good time. And awesome. Uh, I think that's great. Um, I do think I would love to see them uh, hit above their weight a little bit and uh, be their original seeding. Um, so we'll see how this week goes because uh, making the top 16 would be better than they were originally seeded. So uh, what, uh, what do you think, uh, what do you think their actual chances are going into this week? Like, how do you, how do you, how confident are you right now? So if I, and I was looking at it on my phone, so I'm going to throw it out there that it's a little hard to, you know, see everything perfectly yep. on the screen, obviously. Uh, I do think their split from this past week uh, d- did was faster than the, uh, the the other team that they're racing this weekend. Uh, I think they're racing. Talk, talk, which uh, Zach Spitzer, the former uh, Zach Spitzer, is an assistant coach at Sog Talk, and he was the novice boys coach at Mercer before me. So he's in Ooh, a way of my friend. So there's some story here. There's a little bit of history there. Oh man, I uh, hope he remembers this because that's a that's a good that's a good little thing. Uh, uh, actually, so according to the results, you are 1.1 splits faster on average. But I think Sagatok had a better time than you in the 21.12. So now you're uh, getting into this fun little those extra 400 meters are going to throw a lot. Versus long, um, you know we'll, we'll see. I think a little bit too is uh, you know one of my top guys has been dealing with a little bit of a hip thing, so we'll see how that happens. You know, uh, it, you know I'm going to be honest. I think one of the, like some of my top guys, uh, you know, one of them, um, great kid, uh, not not doing the earth competition, but you know he, he's a great kid. And um, but he talking about what you said before about stuff outside the boathouse. He has you know he's he's a really tall kid, um, quick on the earth. You know talking to a lot of uh, colleges and, and and he used to go see um a physical therapist once a week just you know and it's not even oh i'm injured it's hey you know i she i swing by her office on the way home from practice and she gives me some stretches and you know it helps keep him healthy and loose and ready to race um that's a tough thing that we can't do any like the kids are stuck at home and you know yeah. working hey this is bothering me how do i adjust this i mean having some flexibility and you know telling the kids hey like your study state days cross train. I don't want you on the earth six days a week right now. Um, that's important. So that's uh, well, you actually gave me a good idea to to help out these athletes is give them some 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 ideas on what to do or give the coaches ideas on what to do outside of uh, of this because we we have a big network of people, especially Leo training. Like that guy could help really get kids motivated to do other things and still be fit. But um, I actually worked with um, with. It's Joe Leo, right? Joe Leo. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, I was, I helped uh, Skip Keel with the U23 light quad two years ago, 2018, uh, when the camp was um, on a Mercer, and he came for a few days and helped the guys out there, and he was awesome. I remember that. Yeah, Joe's Joe's my best friend. We've we've known each other since uh, like sixth grade or something, something crazy. Uh, roommates in college, awesome. rode together all through, but. Uh, Jamie, I, I, so I take notes in all my interviews and uh, I tend to circle a lot of things. And um, this, this interview was full of fun cueisms and learning, the, uh, learning about your history of, of erging on a cruise ship. I, you know, I love how when I talk to coaches and people that have been around rowing, their story is always unique of how they got started in rowing, right? It's never, it's never just, oh, I showed up to the boathouse one day and I started rowing and this is that. There, there's always some other kind 
a fun story tied to the people that make it their career in their life. There always is. I mean, without without fail, it could be an experience with a great coach. It could be finding an erg on a carnival, you know, cruise ship. And I, I absolutely love it. So, so Jamie, you know, this is this is this is the wacka wacker, the hanging and banging with Jamie Hamp. This has been an awesome podcast. Um, I love some of the things that you said about motivating boys. Um, the fact that you've come, you, you, you've identified the, the needs of your athletes that you need two training plans. Um, and, and, and all of this going back since 2006 when you started rowing. So Jamie, thank you so much for being part of this uh, podcast. Um, we're going we're gonna to do a lot more of these. So you are number two. Um, and I think we got four or five more scheduled this week. So thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to having more rowers. I had a great time. I'm glad you did. And we're going to have more of these interviews this week. Uh, so more to come uh, tune in to Rowers Choice podcast, come to RowersChoice.com uh, and check out all of our uh, interviews. Thanks for listening. This is the Rowers Choice podcast. Rowers Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells and Sykes USA.